Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these, although this one isn't my journals out loud, because I can't find my journal, because I am literally, it's like 4.30 in the morning, I've been up for hours, uh, Pacific Coast time, sitting here in the dark with almost no light, skulking about, and coming to you almost live. And so we're going to take a deep breath. Uh, I'm going to set the scene here for a minute. I have my scratchy windbreaker on, so there will be probably feedback. Sorry about that. And uh, the dogs have finished their peanut butter bones, and so they're hunkered down. And I am literally, I'm not kidding you, sitting here hunkered down in the dark trying to decide where to go from here. Because I had one of those days yesterday. I know this is sort of devolving into a travel update, but I got to tell you, I'm getting all these things that I don't want happening to me happening to me. And at the same time, last night, as I was hunkered down sitting in the dark, at least my phone was working, I guess, uh, watching and listening to what's happening in Israel and the Palestine and Gaza and war and on the streets of America now. And of course, the opinionators are all out in full magnificent force about who's right, pointing fingers, analyzing, uh, proselytizing, whatever version of I guess proselytizing and prophesizing because we're bringing biblical prophecy into this and everybody's you know got an opinion uh, but the whole time you know I'm sitting here thinking you know having my own tiny pity party when nothing technically was really bad happening to me I'm just hiding so that something bad doesn't happen to me but I can't imagine what it would be like to be in the midst of all of that. And, you know, the last podcast I shared with you, just a slight disturbance, <laughs> everything's relative, right? A tiny, slight, you know, pinprick of a disturbance uh, in my capacity to function and how uh, it was, you know, humbling because how off kilter I got. And, uh, you know, that happened again to me yesterday. And, you know, I'm having this horrible realization about how, you know, we think we have our shit together until we have experiences that point out very clearly we don't have our shit together and that the only way to get it is to do it and have it fall apart. And, you know, because, when things go wrong, you know, everybody who's sitting comfortably in their tiny con controlled world is, you know, happy to point out fingers about what their opinions are, you know, from the war to uh, and beyond. You just don't know until you actually do it. And so this is all nervous system stuff. This is all, you know, what I'm talking about, what's going on with them right now in the midst of war. You know, I'm disrupted by a few sensory alterations, you know, in the parking lot at Walmart or, you know, what, what happened yesterday. And I'm trying to visualize what would be what I would be doing if there were bombs dropping on me. And, you know, one of the fear things that's going on is that as we're sitting comfortably in our protected tiny little worlds observing boy that must really be bad having you know being kidnapped being shot at you know blah 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 
one of the very real trajectories to this is having uh, the Iranian cells, which apparently are all over, activate. And so there is a extremely real potential and possibility that uh, America will very soon be having its own paragliders, you know, dive bombing and shooting. Uh, although everything that I could take away was the goal is to take out our infrastructure. But, you know, having uh, experienced all that, it's very disruptive when you can't find water. And you, like right now, I'm hiding in the dark. And so it is the nervous system that is responsible for saving us. You know, we talk a lot about how to calm the sympathetic nervous system down. Uh, but the reality is, is without the sympathetic nervous system, we don't function, you know, on a day-to-day basis, but especially within a crisis. And all of our nervous system responses adapt to the level of the crisis. But as I am watching myself have these mini meltdowns, I'm asking myself this question, and that's really the point I was trying to make yesterday, not how to solve the problems I was having, because that's a luxury. Solving the problems that interrupt your routine is a culture of luxury that allows us to just sit around and fix things, buy things, adapt. Reality in crises is you have no time. You just have to react, respond, and keep moving, whether it's to hold still and hide or is to pick up and run with whatever clothing is on your back or is to turn and face the intruder and fight. I mean, that's what crises and chaos Uh, in a danger situation is. And most of us, especially as Western people, don't have that experience very often or maybe just once. You know, maybe we're in a car accident. Maybe we've been in a national disaster or some big natural disaster. Or maybe we've been uh, a victim of a violent crime. Or, you know, maybe we've had the fabulous experience of uh, abuse as children. So, Most of us, though, have not been in a war zone and don't understand what a war footing is. And most Americans don't realize we are at war right now. The only thing that we have going on is that it hasn't been on our ground, but it's only a matter of time before it shows up here. And you know, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's in five years, 10 years, I don't know. Or maybe it will be so slow and insidious, we won't recognize it because it's not a bomb. I don't know. But the reality is, is that war is the essence of what your nervous system is trying to protect you within that process. And I think, you know, the experiences I'm having right now are the shock and awe of once upon a time, I was very good at being reactive. Now I'm just having many meltdowns and my stressors are microscopic compared to what's happening to people in a real dynamic situation and how 
the question, you know, I've started to ask myself, does it do any good? Does it do any good to think about this ahead of time? Does it do any good to warn people ahead of time? Uh, Does it do any good to even care ahead of time? Because maybe the answer is to just move forward and deal with it when it happens, which is the way most people do. You know, there's a few of us who are over-prepared, but you know, for me, the shock and awe is all the preparation in the world, all the knowledge in the world. It's not stopping my mini meltdowns because, you know, I'm hitting walls I don't want. I've told you, you know, everything gets reduced to wanted and unwanted. And we all are reacting in very simple manners, a push-pull pause. And that doesn't mean anything when we think about the actual thing happening. You know, if a a soldier is breaking through my door and getting ready to shoot me and my family, you know, having this concept of, okay, he's pushing at me. Uh, I can push, pull, or pause back. And this is an unwanted thing. But that is the same exact thing as... Uh, you know, driving to the grocery store and uh, going in and seeing that the price is too much. And so the the consumer goods are pushing at you. Uh, you don't want that and having a stress response to the fact that you can't afford to get what you need, even though it's not urgent. It's the same principle. And the point to all of this is when you can understand the principles, theoretically, we can stop reacting to the thing itself and learn to manage ourselves within the response. And so I say that with the ground awareness that just because I know all that, it doesn't stop me from having uh, chemical react hyperreactive meltdowns, as I've talked about, you know, in my dysregulation podcast that some of us, you know, have meltdowns or deregulate at a much more fast and intense speed than others, which seems out of proportion. So if the soldier is breaking through my door, there is nothing anybody wants me to do to hold back, right? There's whoever the other people in the room are. uh, If you have a wire for danger person, you want them to go from zero to 100 and face that soldier as fast as possible, We want you to do that. We love that about you. We need you to do that because that's our only defense because most of us, most people are not wired to rush the soldier with the gun, especially because you're probably going to die. You know, in an effort to save those around you, you know, the wired for danger person will often rush and sacrifice their own life. And that's, you know, that's who we're wired to be. And the flip side is, is when the problem is like a 5% of that, but you have a 100% reaction, then it's inappropriate. So, you know, I think we have a long way to go in terms of understanding who we are, accepting who we are. Uh, and that leads me to this article that I linked to about, you know, do animals get PTSD? And uh, I have not done any research. I just found that article uh, by asking a question. There's a animal sanctuary here. So I was having a thought. So that's how I found that article. And what's interesting is I think the people who are, it's called an ecology of fear. So the people who are kind of pursuing this alternate way of thinking that PTSD, like I keep saying, is not a brokenness, but it's an adaptive response. And 
that it needs to be restored. But what's really interesting, you know, after the trauma itself, so that you can come back into a more regulated balance in terms of of not being so hypervigilant, but accepting that the hypervigilance is necessary. It's part of our wiring. And what's interesting about this article is it's talking about what we've assumed, myself included, is that the animals always adapt to trauma. But the research is showing that's not so, that sustained crises, sustained war, sustained hunger, sustained sympathetic nervous system's response that are overcompensating for, for long periods of time, they, especially in women, equal smaller babies and fewer babies. So the reproductive cycle, the female, starts to produce less, so the population reduces, that there are cortisol long-term imbalances, there are brain changes imbalances. So what we've assumed is emotional and mental, I haven't, but science, behavioral science assumes that all trauma is mental, even though we're moving into the ability to understand the the wiring, physicality of it all, that... Um, that their animals are having the same responses and that there is such a thing as physical evidence of sustained trauma and how that affects the animal through the nervous system in terms of the nervous system being what uh, creates the response of hypervigilance or helplessness or collapse or whatever, you know, the adaptive behavior is over chronic long-term stress. And uh, and why I think that's so interesting is that as we understand, you know, one of the things that happens with mental health is that we, uh, we judge it as a personal failure or weakness. Uh, you know, we've moved into making it a medical issue. But we haven't moved to the place where we need to probably be in terms of detaching from the emotional mental judgment process as just, oh, let's just fix this problem and move on, but instead ask what the actual causes are. We don't even do that with physical health. We just try to fix the effects. We don't seek cause because cause is often things we can't control or we can control and we don't want to change. You know, cell phones cause problems. I don't want to know about that. So we're just going to pretend like it's not happening, right? Uh, you know, poisoning the food with pesticides causes physical health problems. And it has a huge effect on the gut, the social, uh, so and social behavior is getting to be more and more understood, tied into the gut biome, but we just want to put you on an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety. So we haven't been willing to look at this, the real causes, and until we do that, we can't really move forward, I think, in a healthy, responsive way. But, you know, when I was reading that animal article, you know, it goes back to this original question, do we try to understand it? Do we try to become stronger and more resilient in the face of terrible things that happen to us? Or do we just accept that our adaptive responses are part of the nature cycle, which, you know, within this example is that when uh, the, the rabbits or the hares have a lot of babies, 
they're in a healthy cycle and a prolific cycle, then the predator class rises up. And then once the predator class terrorizes them into extinction, <laughs> right, it eats the babies, it stresses the mommies out, they don't have very many babies anymore. Now the predator class dies out. Uh, the the rabbits say stress, but within, you know, three to five years, their population rises again, you know, they have some relaxation about not being chased all the time. And the cycle continues, you know, as there's more prolific baby uh, prey animals, the predator animals rise up. And then when the, the, the food source for the predator animals rise up, then the prey animals reduce. Uh, and also, you know, they stop eating. They don't want to participate in life that is scary and difficult. And that's nature balance. That's not a uh, an organized, orchestrated effort to take out a species. That's just part of the system that we live in. And so, like I said, that was my question. Do we care? Should we worry about it? Should we think about it? Do we want to adapt to it? Do we want to heed the warnings and become more resilient? Or should we just, you know, live and go on. And, and, you know, I say that because I'm literally, like I said, I'm sitting here in the dark because uh, I had to leave. Uh, I was asked to vacate the property and I'm so tired of being chased off from one place to the next. Right. So this, so I'm already having my uh, pity party moment. Like, I, you know, I don't know what to do. I just keep getting chased from one place to the next. And so I came out, look, and it's raining and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I came out and I found another spot and I was starting to get set up. I had, There's a whole setup process, you know, with the truck. And uh, all of a sudden I hear bam, bam, and bam, bam. And so I look and some guy and his family are down there shooting. And I said, oh, I, I wonder what that was. And he's like, yeah, this, and he was kind of an ass about it. Yeah, this has been a shooting range for 30 years. You might want to move. So I moved over a little bit. I talked to some guy who, the people that were doing some cleanup. And so he pointed me to some other places. And then I got on this terrible road and I thought, oh, and I heard things popping and I'm like, oh God, my car is going to break. And so now I'm driving around trying to find some place and I'm on like the fourth place and it's still not right. And I can't drive anymore. And so I just, and it's getting, you know, it's raining. And so I just backed up kind of out of the way. It's one of those off-road vehicles, OHV places. So it doesn't look strange to have a truck park next to a trailhead where you take the off-road vehicles because it's, you know, they're 15, 20 mile trails. So it's not uncommon, you know, to, to leave a truck on one end and go pick up on the other. So anyways, I, and so I just sat here and I thought, screw it. I'm just going to sit here and, you know, I, my phone had stopped working and I couldn't find any more spots on my app that I used to find my safe spots wasn't working. And, you know, all those little tiny things that make you have meltdowns and the dogs were acting out and we're all doing the best we can. And I just quit. And I said, I'm just going to sit here right out the rain uh, and I will deal with it in the morning. And so now it's the morning. But, you know, I spent all night ready to get up and run if I needed to. Because I'm technically on forest land, but I'm not exactly on camping land. And, you know, waiting to have somebody drive up and tell me, you know, I can't be here. And and that's what I mean. The rest of the world is normal. So people, it was very busy. You know, people were driving back and forth all day 
and, you know, well into the evening. And, you know, nobody cares. And it doesn't look unusual. But I also, you know, was very careful about setting it up so that it didn't look like I was camping. It looked like the truck was waiting, you know, at the trailhead. Uh, but I wanted to, you know, once it got dark, I didn't put all the things up in the window to, to create isolation because I wanted to see light if a car vehicle was approaching me. Uh, and now, you know, I have, I'm trying to not have any light inside so as to not attract attention to myself. But I'm laughing because, you know, I've created another chaos bomb inside. So I have absolutely zero immediate mobility. And I'm observing the pattern that a lot of my don't want and my aggravation and my push and disruption is this thing I've got going on of trying to set up a system that is not mobile within quote unquote a mobile lifestyle. And I've done this over, I told you in the last podcast, I keep doing this thing over and over and over again. And so I don't know what that is about me, but that's what's going on here. And and I only share that. I keep trying to tell you, it's not about what's happening with me. It's about this. We have this image of ourselves. We have this idea of how we will be in the world and how we'll react and all the things we think we can do to prevent. Uh, and then all of us like me, running around trying to warn you and trying to help you. And I can't even help myself because the reality is, is that you don't adapt. You don't get stronger. You don't become more resilient. You don't become a master of your own nervous system, Jill, until you do the stuff that stresses it. And there's no way through it, but through it. Now, as I said, you know, as I was sitting here having my pity party in the dark again this morning, you know, realizing that this version is microscopic, you know, nobody's getting hurt. I'm not technically in danger. I mean, there could be some scary weirdo that could show up, but uh, probably not. You know, from what I can see, you know, there there's no lurking behavior. I mean, that's sort of the benefit of being in the country versus being in the city. You know, in the city, there's a lot more people lurking, kind of paying attention to who's vulnerable. Uh, you know, out here, everybody's got a place to go, something to do. Uh, this is a recreation area, so people aren't looking here for lurkers. They're looking for, uh, you know, they only pay attention when they have a mission, and that's to ride their vehicles up and down these trails. So, it isn't technically as scary as like being in the city, but I was projecting, and that's one of the things I do for better or for worse, right? I was projecting all the worst case scenarios and how it must feel and how scary it must be. I can't imagine how terrifying it must be to be waiting for bombs to be dropped or soldiers coming around the corner or the rape that's going on for the women. And the violence and the uncertainty and the not knowing where to go or what to do or how to to survive. And, you know, that's something that I don't think that we can plan for or prepare for. I do think, though, 
the power of understanding who we are in response to it is helpful. I think if you know that you're somebody that freezes up, you know, that if you can get yourself aligned with somebody who is a fight push person, you know, to trust them to tell you what to do would be a very powerful alliance. Uh, but as a push person, having, you know, many meltdowns with minimal minor stressors, you know, I'm having to do some hard reality checks that that getting older has not made me wiser in action. It's made me wiser in observing others' action. <laughs> I wish more people would understand that. So uh, it's not a bad thing that's happening because it is microscopic. And to me, that's the best way to learn is to have the experience with the tiniest of discomforts that allow you to move forward so you can apply them to a bigger way. So, you know, my takeaways is, I'm, like I said, I'm sitting here in the dark. I don't want to create light because I, the windows aren't covered. Uh, and even when the windows are covered, they're not 100% light proof. That takes a different uh, level of detail that I haven't got to yet. <clears throat> but just the awareness of how fast I need to be able to get up and go. You know, before my get up and go was 15 or 20 minutes because it was just choice. Like, oh, I don't like this place or, oh, I'm getting kicked out again or, oh, we've had a fight or whatever. You know, I need to move on or, oh, it's about to rain and flood. I need to because a lot of these desert places are flood zones and, uh, you know, oh, it's going to be too muddy. I need to pack up and move on. That thinking process that I've been engaging in, the pressure wasn't imminent. But this experience, while I'm thinking about the war stuff, makes me realize that there is a need to really step it up. So, you know, on the one hand, I'm grateful that I'm having these experiences because I can feel how, for lack of a better uh, term is how out of shape my nervous system is and how much uh, tuning and training I need to engage in if this is going to be the way that I live, number one. But number two, if, if things are really going to go bad in America or wherever we are, uh, I'm not prepared for it in the way that I thought I was. And you know, again, these are very humbling experiences. And, you know, we're so used to listening to people make fun of anybody who fails and claim authority and mastery in a, you know, in a story, right? In a video, in a podcast, in an article, in a book, uh, you know, that telling you it's going to be okay because you will rise to the occasion and there'll be a happy ending. And in the real world, for most people, there's not a happy ending. There's getting caught with your pants down. I mean, there were stories about the soldiers being killed in the barracks in their underwear because they got caught with their pants down. And even when you're trained military, you know, there's this assumption that you're ready for anything. You're highly trained and ready for anything. And that's not the truth. You cannot train and prepare for everything. Uh, and when you stop understanding your own limitations, when you stop allowing yourself to be humbled 
by experiences and, you know, in my case, allow myself to have the meltdown, wait till this morning to regroup and start again, that's a luxury. I cannot tell you deeply and loudly enough. It's a luxury to have the ability to think about these things, to wonder about these things, uh, and to adapt to different ideas about these things and make some adjustments or put yourself in uncomfortable situations to tune yourself up. Uh, that is a luxury that most of humanity and none of the animal kingdom has. You know, if you look at the way wolves play, most mammals play, the babies are playing, learning how to fight, kill their prey and defend themselves. That's the pattern of the play. You know, when the dogs play, I'm super irritated with the boy dog now because his play has devolved into grabbing her neck, which is that whole incident, you know, where he almost killed her. So, you know, that's their instinct is to always be in training and preparation for their own war. And as humans, we all of our training and instinct seems to go into making ourselves more comfortable, making ourselves more insulated. Uh, and I'm, you know, witnessing my own process that as much as I understand, you know, this mandate I keep hearing lighter, leaner, faster, stronger, I still don't do it. I still, I mean, these are, this is our personal resistance that we're, you know, when I say, the only way to really change and grow is to be willing to look at what you don't want to look at within yourself, not, you know, making fun of everybody else. And I keep recreating the same thing over and over and over again of being quote unquote mobile, but only in a slow, you know, turtle kind of way of stopping and moving things from one side to the next and organizing and, and nothing is strapped down. It's all just, you know, easy to pick up and move. And there's nothing fast or lean about any of it. Uh, because, you know, my agenda is I want to bring things to work on. I want to have projects so that I can, you know, build a business around. So these are my priorities, not war, not stealth, not speed, not uh, slinking around. But the reality is, is this type of life s requires those things. Uh, maybe not to the degree, you know, we're at war right now, because, you know, technically the worst thing that could happen is someone, you know, police knock on the door and say, you got to move. And it would take me, you know, 10 minutes to kind of move things around and yeah, I'm still mostly packed up, but but it's just, uh, you know, I'm observing myself and I'm sharing this because uh, we're inching ever more closer to this reality that there's going to be a whole lot of I don't want happening. And I think Western civilization's coping patterns, you know, call 911, call the police, make it somebody else's responsibility to step in and protect us. None of that crap's going to work. You know, when it's happening to everybody, there's nobody to call. Uh, when it's massive, 
everybody's in overwhelm. And yeah, there's always going to be a few people who try to do the right thing. But, uh, but what I'm observing in myself is that I may be one of those people in the past who's always tried to do the right thing, but I'm not functioning at the capacity in my imagination that I would be able to. I, these are just, it's such a humbling experience. And again, you know, I'm taking little tiny discomforts and I'm projecting them in a large way because I believe you don't have to have the full experience in order to get the lesson from it, right? So you can have the scare and you can take the lesson and, and apply it. Or, you know, you can do nothing and then, you know, you might have the great big experience and then wonder what happened. And and it's no guarantee. You know, there's certain things you just can't plan or prepare for. Uh, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's better to just be happy until the bombs fall or to be prepared so that you can make a run for it when the bombs fall. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I just know that... Uh, that yesterday was horrible. I hate those kinds of days. I hate it when I allow myself to slide into that frustrated and everything's going wrong and I don't want to deal with it anymore and I don't have a choice. And that's just life. You know, that's life in every form and format. It's not special to any particular person or experience. Uh, but it is clarifying and it is an opportunity and it is a choice to to decide what do you want to take with that experience? What do you want to take away from observing what's happening to other people? Uh, and do you want to apply it to yourself and asking yourself these questions? If we get into a situation where big things start happening, like big disruptions, big bombs, stuff like that, which in our American minds, we believe will never happen. And uh, there's a lot of denial, you know, that's going on, I think, in our country about these things. Uh, but asking ourselves some real questions around that and being... Uh, self-aware enough to realize that you are you can never prepare for any everything, and that uh, that it's not a bad thing to kind of push push your own boundaries right now to just sort of adapt. I didn't watch the video, but I uh, you know how you see those links, and some guy you know was making his shock and awe watch me video about oh my God, I lived with the power off for three days. And and I'm thinking, I, my power's been off for three years. You know, <laughs> what are you talking about? But how we're all in a very different place with our discomfort. And uh, like even with the power situation, you know, I have the the power packs buried right now. And so I drained my little tiny one, which, you know, I didn't want to do, but uh, I couldn't even, you know, I, I was so frustrated. I couldn't even get, I mean, that was the whole story. So anyways, it is a humbling moment here as we're lurking around in the dark, waiting for the sun to rise, which is still, I think, you know, an hour or two away. <sighs> still on New Mexico time. And even then I was up, you know, too early for normal people. But 
uh, I just wanted to check in again because I'm laughing at myself sitting here in the dark. But there's nothing else I can do but sit here in the dark and kind of wait until, because I can't find anything. And I especially can't find my whole coffee setup, which is out back someplace buried underneath the crap in the back. You know what? The problem when it rains, this is the second thing, is it's different than when it's dry. You know, when it rains, everything has to be either inside or covered up um, in a way that is different when it's dry. And so it wasn't even supposed to rain this week. So I don't know. This keeps happening. But this is real. This is life. This is our experience. And... You know, I'm just sharing it because this is what the nervous system was built for. Survive, adapt, adjust. It wasn't built to sit in comfort and seclusion and routine. It was built for everything but normal. And uh, we are, I think, extremely efficient at creating a high degree of normal because we've lived a life where we were told we were entitled to safety and comfort. And more and more people are having the safety and comfort removed. And the reality is that nature always lives in a balance of some safety and comfort and some danger and responsiveness. We have been highly imbalanced uh, with a super comfortable parasympathetic nervous system. Our stressors are almost all mental and perception and almost none of them are physically real. You know, we're stressed about you know, all the things we can't buy or all the comforts we can't enjoy, uh, all the stresses of what other people think. I mean, none of this stuff really is survival stuff, but our stress response activates. So we have the feeling of being stressed, but most of us don't understand what real and constant danger is. And you know, animals do because that's their life. So I think that, you know, what was interesting about that article that I linked is that it gives us a window into ourselves and our more natural state that that we're not broken if we have a stress response that we can't resolve from, but that it's adapting to our environment. And, and so we get to make the choice whether we want to keep that adaptation or we want to work on making it, uh, restoring it to the older level. So, oh, the dogs. So with that, uh, I think we're going to see if this uploads. I have no idea if I have any speed or not. So who knows when I will get this uploaded. But I'm going to take a deep breath. We're just going to continue to sit here in the dark and wait for the sun to come up and start our day over. Not even sure what I'm going to do, but it's been 24 hours. I used to say that all the time. It's a brand new day. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, every sunrise is a chance to start over. And I am wildly grateful that my starting over just requires a little bit of effort and not, uh, you know, looking for bombs and soldiers and attackers because I don't think I could cope 
my takeaway from my meltdowns <laughs> with micro stress is if I have macro stress, uh, I'm just shoot me now. I am not going to do well. So uh, all extremely humbling experiences, but all of this is what the nervous system was built for. And it's easy to sit around and talk about things in theory, but reality will always show you who you are. And so with that, we're going to take a deep breath, my friends, and I will hopefully see you next time.